right, welcome to the Steve-O and Goody podcast. We just want to take an opportunity this real quick to welcome you. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the trials and tribulations of a couple of particularly good-looking hunters. Traipsing <laughs> <laughs> around the Australian bush. Too young, very good-looking, and tall. Yeah, tall. <laughs> and freakishly tall. <laughs> Americans who are trapped down in the and uh, our experiences living over here and hunting here and elsewhere around the world. We're going to get on with that today, so stay tuned. It's the Steve-O and Goody Show, live from... Well, we're not really live. We're but... not even close to live. In fact, by the time you're hearing this, we may even be dead. <laughs> and I'm um, now to a more controversial topic. Um, you've got a fairly firm view on using hunting guides. And, and it would be interesting to have that discussion because... Steve and I have had lengthy discussions. I've had it with other Australians. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I'm not overly uh, fond of guides. Okay. Um, Interesting. If I was going in, into an area that I didn't know, or well, if I was going overseas, and yeah, the smart choice would be to use a guide. But if I could do it DIY, I'd much prefer to do that. I'd probably even take take that gamble over in the States if I ever got there and just do it myself. Okay. And do the re- do the research. The There's quite a few Aussies now that have been over there and done it. So, yeah, mm. you just got to make a phone call and get on the blower to them and fo- yeah, and just do your research. Find out what you got to do. Um, okay. But I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not against guides. Don't get me wrong, but it's I don't know. It's just something about doing it yourself and achieving it yourself without the help of someone else. Okay. Well, that's right. it. So it's not about the money or anything. It's about Oh, for me, it's about the money. Well, yeah, because I, oh, yeah. I am so tight that it, yeah. <laughs> there is nothing um, dripping out of here. Because I, I look at it, because I look at it kind of differently. I, and this is maybe where I kind of see things in a different way. For me, one of the main benefits for that I see with guides, and now that I've been there enough, I guess in theory I could eventually make contact with a landowner and try to sort sort something out and kind of get access. But for many years, it was about access to, to property because where we lived yeah. is so is quite far away from the Cape. So it's not like I can just drive on down the road, knock on the, the station yeah, that's right. door and say, hey, can I hunt here? But So for me, it was about access, but also it's about, um, it's actually more cost effective in the end. All right, so where we live is almost across the country from where Cape York is. So to drive up there would be a couple of days at least. And the time going there... And then assuming you had access to a property, you didn't really know it, and all the wear and tear in your car and bringing all the food and all the rest of it, you're actually not saving a ton of money. So so there's always been a kind of a cost-benefit analysis, like how much time would I spend versus if I used a guide and flew up and used all of his gear and food and, all, and access. Yeah, Goody's a spreadsheet nerd. So. <laughs> yeah. so, so for me, it's a cost thing. But also, too, I actually learn a lot from a guide. Like I, I'm an office guy. And I'm generally um, not hunting as much as I'd like to be. So for me, I I see the main advantage of a guide now is somebody who lives and breathes these things. So if, again, you've mentioned Mick Baker, we yep. you know, and we go with Mick a lot. One of the things is every time I go up with him, I learn something else, and it's because of his experience on the property or the animals or whatever. And, and yep. it's also another set of eyes. You know, when you go in and you get busted, oh, right? Yeah. right? You got somebody else who knows what they're doing, saying, "Hey, actually, you know, when you were." clearing that tree you should have took look you know make sure you scan all the way around because you got busted by another pig you didn't see and that kind of stuff yeah i guess mates can do that as well i think for me i don't live in pig country and i don't know them intimately other than when i hunt them it's always good to have somebody who does Hmm. 
And, yep. and look, the cost is the cost. It's gotten a lot more expensive in a few, in, 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 a, in the last few years. I remember when we started, yep. it was not cheap, but certainly wasn't outrageous. But for me, me trying to do it myself would take way too much time. And maybe I'm yep. just not patient enough, right? Like, oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I can understand it when you're coming from that, from like your view and and yeah, the experience that yeah Mick Scott as well. Like he's 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 an amazing guy, and he's been around a long time. And I've I've sat around a campfire with him out at the out at the <laughs> archery club up here, and okay, you know, he's he's an awesome guy to just sit there and listen to some of the stories he's got and talking about the old days and yeah. all that are just yeah, incredible. I think for me up here, like I'm I'm in the heart of it up here yeah. as well. So yeah. I've done the hard yards and knocked door knocked, and I've got yeah. the access and. What's it like getting access up there? It took a long time. Yeah, I'd imagine. I got got onto one one block, uh, which is only a thousand acres. Oh jeez, thousand acres. It's it's smack bang on the uh, Burdekin. Did have a, lot, a good number of chittle there, but as I said mm. earlier, the DPI on the neighbouring block sent the choppers up and gave them a bit of a hounding. But word of mouth through the farmers works wonders as well. The um, you, know, you do the right thing by on one property, and then you know he'll talk you up to the next property, and and so forth. And that's how I've got majority of my access. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of the way I think it works around here as well, and probably just in general. But I'd imagine you get a lot of poachers up there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, poachers. Every young fella with a ute's got a tray and a, a rum can hanging out of the hand, and they just yeah, you know, especially on a full moon or something, they'll do a they'll run up there and and run the back roads and that sort of thing but they're they're starting to come down on hard on them now the yeah. stock squad we we call them are starting to catch a few of them and yeah not just giving them a slap on the wrist they're sending them through to court and actually trying to make examples of them now so which is good excellent excellent it's sort of they're starting to wise up a bit but yeah we've 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 caught a few poachers over the years I don't particularly like the front on because they're they, yeah they could be on off their heads on drugs and that sort of thing and they're just, and they're armed probably yeah right? <laughs> it's yeah. Just like, a couple of um, sneaky little tricks and that here and there punctured tires I'm sure no 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 you just uh, mate showed me you just get a couple of pebbles and just throw in the tire cap now <laughs> so you so they slowly go down over time and then it gives you time to get back to the house and notify the owners and so you got a couple of guys down here that aren't supposed to be there and it gives the coppers time to get out and that sort of thing to clear them up so always surprises me when people poach i've just never understood oh, it. yeah it's right. incredible like they're pretty bad back home too apparently like you talk to the owners they just leave gates open and yeah. Cattle are wandering here, there, and everywhere, and they just need shooting. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. And I think the sad thing is, is that they actually give legit hunters a bad name, That's right? right? Because you go to talk to a proper. And I've done this up in a mountain, a big mountain range near where we live. Um, yeah, and, and I've kind of reached out and kind of sought access for a goat, basically. And yeah. I've had a couple conversations, and you can tell the owner's resistant because they've had people poaching or they've had hunters that they've let on that haven't done the right thing or whatever. And usually it's about going where they're not supposed to. Right. So it'd be like, you know, stay off the Northern paddock. And what do they do? You know, they're driving by the Northern paddock and they see a goat with a big set of horns. Yeah. Instead of respecting, you know, the wishes of the person let them on the property, they go do it and inevitably get caught. So it's not surprising that with you got that atmosphere up there that when you, when you got legitimate hunters that reach out to landowners to say, "Hey, can we hunt?" Yeah. They get, you know, they, they take a while before they do it. 
and they take yeah. a while before they well, I've, I got access to one one property up here and when I when he said yes he said only under one condition you come here alone mm. you bring no ones you yeah. don't even bring your partner don't even come camping with your partner just you wow so like, okay so how many uh, yeah. how many properties do you have access to now i've got access to about five around the charters towers area okay yeah like between charters towers and greenvale i've got access to about five and then i've got the one one big one up the gulf excellent and then i've got the family farm still back in um hunter valley and, and what's there uh-huh. is that deer yeah, yeah, deer and deer and pigs and foxes and oh wow, okay. the occasional rabbits. So I, I try to get there for the rut. Okay, um, is that fallow? Is it a red? Yeah, yeah, fallow deer. There, there is a couple of reds floating around the range too, apparently. So I've never seen reds there, but uh, the property owner, reckon, station manager on the farm, he's he's seen a few mm. getting around. But um, okay. They say, oh, yeah, I see, see this, you see that. You know, when did you see it? And he goes, oh, six months ago. Yeah. Like, yeah. What I find funny is when you talk to farmers, they say, oh, I got a ton of pigs on here or a ton of goats or a ton of deer. Yeah. And then you get there and it's like you saw a deer in January, right? And it's <laughs> April. You're like, all right, well. Yeah. I went drove six hours in New South Wales from Sydney to the nearest town was Condoblin. I don't know if you know the, oh, the area yeah. at all. Yeah, on the basis of a farmer telling me there were tons of pigs yeah. and goat, actually. And we got there, and there was like you know, something from like three and a half weeks ago. We saw one mob of sow that looked like they were ready to die. Yeah. And then he had mustered all the goat. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of said to him, I was nice about it because I wanted to come back. But I basically said to him that you know the, the, the reason why we were excited about you seeing the goat was not the goat that was in the yards that you've mustered, <laughs> mustered. right? Like, we kind of wanted them out to hunt them. Yeah. And, and, and quite thought, thoughtfully, he said, well, we've got some big goats in here if you want to shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, I, I think you're missing the point. <laughs> yeah. So, Mitchell, why do they call you Redbeard? I saw a Redbeard. <laughs> yeah, oh, you, a you are a Ranger, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, how does that work in the sun, mate? Oh, mate, that's that's why I wear long sleeve pants. Um, do a trade every day, and you know, as soon as I take his pants off, I'm I'm just white. I'm actually looking at a photo of you right now on your bike. Oh yeah, <laughs> your brand new Harley that you just got yeah. this year. Oh, is that a brand Glide. new bike? Which model is that? I can't see. That's too the uh, 2018 Road Glide. I thought it was a Road Glide. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic, man. That's one thing Americans and Australians have in common is we all love a good Harley. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's an addiction that I never thought I'd ever have, but when I rode my mate's bike, it was three weeks later I had that. So fantastic! Mm. Well, I remember uh, I, I, my father I, and uncle have had Harleys their whole lives, yeah. and I remember I came home in a Kawasaki because it was just a cheap little <laughs> crappy bike. Like it was, it was. Um, I got it for like two hundred bucks, and I just needed it to scoot around, and I didn't have the cash at the time for a proper bike. And the shit I got for. <laughs> driving a kawasaki was unbelievable yeah. mate i remember my dad's like don't even park it in the parking lot like in the driveway get it out of here yeah yeah no it's yeah, absolutely the only way to ride oh wow steve-o's uh showing me a couple of pictures from your facebook oh, yeah. page <laughs> hanging some chittle jeez mate what are you farming those yeah things? well they're, they're the um because my mate's a professional shooter uh shoots ruse and and deer for the game box so i 
I'd give him a hand and he can't pay me in a wage, so he just gives me a, um, a carcass here and there. So Look at that. And Mate, there's nothing like a bit oh, of anesthesia. there. Uh, we, I, I go out with him quite regularly and at the moment we haven't, I haven't been out for a while just due to work, but a couple of months ago we were shooting probably 300 a month. 300 yeah, a month? Is that many deer? 300 chittle a month. Oh, mate, the first 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 time I went, he took me to one of his blocks that he shoots on professionally. There would have been three 3,000 deer out on these fields out the Jeez. back. And I, I, I fell out of the cab. I was like, what the hell? And he goes, oh, that's nothing what they used to be. Yeah, really? He's, he's shot these places for 20-something 20, 20 years and he just can't. So they just reproduce yeah. like crazy, mate. They must go. Yeah. Okay. And um, do you ever eat the pig? No, no never, never eaten pig, wild pig. Isn't that funny, Mac? Nobody up there eats no, those I'm, pigs. Nobody will I'm, touch it. And, and I've got a lot of Americans that ask me why. I think Steve-O's kind of sort of in yeah, that camp. Yeah. Like, I'm in that camp. Like, you got 100 kilos of meat. Why don't you eat it? And there's just something... Well, they carry they know. carry up to 380 um, diseases. Yeah. And I just don't think you can ever cook nah, them out. Nah, right? nah. Right? Well, <laughs> I know a couple of mates yeah. know a couple of Kiwis and that, and they, they get into them, but I can't. Like if, I was, if I was back down south and up in the mountains where they're eating a lot cleaner food, and yeah. that, I, I wouldn't yeah. hesitate to, to take a young yeah, one. But absolutely, mate. Yeah, not, it's just it's pest management up here, and they're just a yeah, great yeah. challenge as well. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Did you yeah. eat the buffalo? Tried it. Tried it's tough. <laughs> we pulled the back straps out, out yeah. of one, and but we end up taking a fair bit of the meat back back to the community and putting it through a grinder mm. and that, and handing it out to the um, indigenous population there. So, as as mints, as yeah, mints, yeah, as ground beef, yeah, ground wow. buffalo. It's so, the only way you can tenderize it; it just mince it. Yeah, no. Yeah, but I like me a good buff burger. They are nice. Mm. Like I'm bison. curious though, because I'm curious to see what they taste like compared to like an American bison. Mm. I've got no idea. It just tastes like beef to me. Yeah, it tastes a bit gamier beef than one. The buff, the buff that I, because Mick, I think, gave us buff meat yeah. once. And I remember thinking it tasted a little bit venison y, but it was fundamentally yeah. beef. Like it was still beef that had been, had a, an odd taste to yeah, it. Yeah, was good in the end. Well, I mean, you, get, get you, wrong, you, but... you get a young one, and it's quite nice, apparently. But I think the one mm. that, that I was I was given it was off an old, dirty old stinking bull. Just ah, oh, mate, Ugh. tough and yeah, stringy, nah, and mate. yeah, you chew on yeah. it for ten minutes, cook it medium rare, and still chewing on it ten minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I remember I remember shooting an old goat, and we decided to eat it. It was like eating a flipping shoe. <laughs> I don't know what came out of this. Oh, mate. The thing was so old it didn't even get up when it was shot, right? It was like, all right, I'm dead finally. <laughs> it's too hot. I'm too old. I'm not running. Yeah, Kill me. I've, I've never hunted goat. Yeah, oh, really? it's, it's, it's pretty high high on my list actually. I, yeah, it can be challenging. It, it's kind of they're kind of funny, I guess, because I've always looked at it as kind of the entry level animal would be goat because they're a little. I think they're a little yeah. easier on average than pigs in some ways, but um, it, they can be pretty cagey and pretty wily. They've got great eyesight. Um, They're hard if you're in open land. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's it. If you're in mountains or in kind of scrub, um, they can do some really dumb stuff. But that being said, you know, there's nothing quite as cool as a big 40-inch yeah. goat. You know, they're pretty bloody impressive, yeah, yeah. right? You know um, what's interesting about is they don't just take off when they see you. 
But what they will do is they'll stay out of bow range. Yeah. Out of range. yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they'll just keep kind of slowly meandering, but yeah. they'll keep slowly meandering at 90 meters. Yeah. That's it. And you think, man, if I only had a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then they'd be meandering 400 yeah. meters away. But I felt right? <laughs> as soon as I, as soon as I placed myself on my last go trip, as soon as I placed myself in the scrub and let them kind of come to me, mm. no issues. Cause yeah. I shot the closest one at three yeah. meters. Yeah. It's, it's, they're definitely good. I mean, compared to what you do, if you, if you're, if you're shooting deer and pig, I think you might find them a, a little yeah. slow. Yeah. Like it's, it's probably it's, not as edgy. It's definitely boring compared to deer hunting. Yeah. When it, oh, so phrase, it's not boring because you shoot a lot of stuff really. Yeah, it's a volume boring. hunt. It's a volume hunt, yeah. Right, like you can knock over five, six animals yeah. at a go, really. Yeah, I think I, I took six in 45 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. All, all eaters. I wasn't going after billies. I was just, just yeah. looking at eaters. But, um, yeah. yeah. Was I think the most pigs I've ever shot in one kind of, one off with, with three, yeah. actually, uh, stalked into a mob that was under these um kind of bedded up under these kind of low-hanging trees. And I shot one. It was actually just a great shot. It kind of got up and fell back yeah. over. And then a bunch kind of jumped up, but a bunch, a bunch of them kind of were curious as to what I was. They couldn't yeah. see me. So two of them came toward me, and I was able to shoot one and then another pretty yeah. quickly. Um, and that's kind of what goat do, well, it's my experience, is, is unless they're really, really spooked, they'll, they'll kind of, if they don't know what you're doing, they'll kind of yeah. stick around to figure you out. Whereas deer, oh, mate, the minute they get there. a... Like, as, as like Chittle, they're, they're scared of their own footstep. Like the the old the old stag, he he doesn't care less. Like he'll he'll lay there and sleep all day. But the, the Chittle does. She she yep. spooks her, her own foot cracking on a twig. Like, yeah, they're yeah. they're nah, that's right. Hunt. That's like, right. I spent spent five hours one day on me on me belly, and a bird flew over. I went yeah yeah yeah, and they all just got up and left. I went. That's, oh, uh, that's a heartbreaker, isn't it? You do everything right. You get, uh, yeah. You're trying to get under that 30 meters. You know, on deer, I won't take a shot over 30, but I think that's probably. So, what's your maximum range on pigs? Pigs, I like to be definitely under under 20, but I like to be. I like. Yep, I like to agreed. get into 10 to 12 Perfect. meters. Absolutely, yeah, agree, it's, man. It's, it's more about the hunt, the the stalk. For me, like yeah, than the actual. Yeah, no, like when agree. when I was up the Gulf with my father on the last trip. And I was filming a couple of his stalks. I'm like, just shoot it. You can hear me in the camera. And like, he's walking like right into two meters, three meters. I'm like, just shoot it. You get line through the stalk. Yeah. I'm like, I don't. Hey, you're about to pet this You're going to have thing. to start yeah. using your bloody, yeah, your 30 meter, 40 meter pin at that distance. Like, yeah, that's it. Jeez. And um, have you been charged? By no, me? not yet. Not yet. Okay. It's a fun experience. Yeah. Touchwood, not yet. Terror. Terrifying, been, mate. Let me tell you. I've right. been charged by a stag, a chittle stag, that. Okay. Wow. I nearly ended up in a serious way by chittle stags. Uh, I was only lucky that I twisted on, twisted when I twisted. Otherwise, I would have had a antler up in my rib cage. So, Jeez. You don't think a deer's charging Yeah. People. Wow. Oh, we know. were, pro- yeah, we were professional shooting. Oh, there's some, there's some good videos of whitetails, wow. people. Yeah. Now, just really quick uh, for our American listeners, um, you've mentioned something a few times that we will think another thing that we'll think completely different about a turkey turkey nest, a turkey's nest. Where we're thinking, well, I think the top of a tree <laughs> when you say that. What, what's a turkey? It's just nest? A, a man-made dam, pretty much. It's just where they where they push uh, the dirt push cr- the dirt out from either end of the yeah. dam and onto a pile at each end of the dam, like a an, an impoundment, a water impoundment. 
I wonder why they call it a turkey. Yeah, stick. how did you get that? As, How'd you get that now? I've, I've never, never heard of that. I, I, I heard of it when no. I first come up here to Queensland. I'd never heard of it until I hunt, hunted up here. And they said, oh, go check out okay. that turkey's nest. And I said, what, what, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> they said, oh, a dam. And I said, oh, all right, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, but when you see one, it's like, yeah, well, yeah. No, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about because I, I mean, we used to hunt. You always hunt them as well. You, they're often on the side of roads. Right, yeah, like yeah. the way they kind of set them up, and I think I think you're right that they use the road, the local road for the dirt for the yeah. for the road. Sorry, the dirt for the road, and they um they call them borrow pits. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they, oh, they call borrow pits, but Maybe. normally it's sort of out around the property. They'll yeah, you know, I'll get the dozer and just just dig the dirt out and, and just push it all up into a mound one way, and then they turn the dozer around and push it all up the other way and. And let the water yeah. stay in there, and then they the, use it as yeah, a watering the, hole. Yeah, some can be quite deep. Come, some can be quite shallow. You, have you had any issue with snakes up there? No, I had a snake go between my legs last Christmas in in Scone. I was up there, up at, on the family farm in when was it? Uh, it was around the tenth of January, twelfth of January this year, and um, I had a little little brown just go straight between my legs. And I was sitting on the side of the hill glass. And, but, but apart yeah. from that, all the times I've been up the golf, running around barefoot, everything, I've never had a drama, mm. touch wood. I've been fortunate as well. I haven't, I don't think I've, t- I've seen, I've had a couple of run-ins early on with mulgas or yep. brown snakes, but but by and large, no. Yeah, I reckon every, uh, every American that we talk to, um, <laughs> not only um, on the podcast, but friends that we have, throughout the world we have a lot of a lot of hunting friends throughout the world mm. um everybody says the same thing when we talk about hunting australia and it's like everything's trying to kill you yeah, yeah. and so i i think they think that like um that like the australian outback is a bit like the snake pit and and raiders of the lost yeah, well, it's, <laughs> because there's just snakes well, everywhere well, they, they are there like you see signs of them and everything but you you know, it's it's a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. you know, I, I, I carry a, a you know a snake first aid kit and all that in 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 me backpack, and I got a a personal like beacon, like a safety device, where if something happens, I just hit the button and sit back and wait, that sort of thing. So I, I do what I can for personal safety when I'm by myself. But yeah, but you, you know, it's like anything. If 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 I do see a snake, I just go the other way. I don't I won't antagonize it or yeah. try and pick it up because. That's how 90% of people get bitten and killed. You know, they, they want to pick well, it up and play it. with it. To be honest, my, my bigger concern has been crocs. Yeah. Because of where we've hunted, there's tons of salties. Yeah. And it's just too many times. I mean, I, I know that salties generally don't attack if you're just if you're walking near a billabong. But what happens is a lot of times you go back to spots to try to hunt yeah. pigs again. And, you know, you see you see a mob, you spook it, you come back, I'll get it tomorrow. And, and my understanding of their behavior is that they, they kind of prey on animals. Do the same thing. Routinely have them, yeah, do the same thing in and out. And then they'll ping them the, you know, the third yeah. or fourth time they come down to the waterhole. So I I've, I always get nervous when, you know, we're near a billabong or, or a waterhole or yeah. a swamp or something and think, oh, man, we were here yesterday yeah. about this time doing the same dumb crap. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, and, and, and if I'm a crocodile and I've got a choice between a big, heavy buff or a cow or an ugly pig or a soft white hairless ape right? <laughs> like I'm, i know which one i'm going for so i always get nervous but snakes don't bother me that much when i've gone yep. up there um but again the crocs have always made me nervous yep.
Have you ever dreamed of hunting Africa, but you thought it was just out beyond your reach? Red Sand Safaris is situated in the heart of the Bushveld in the Lampopo province of South Africa. With plentiful hunting opportunities in the African bush, along with its diverse bird life and natural beauty, Red Sands is a must for any adventurous hunter. Red Sands boasts a wide range of game, from the smallest and tiny of Steenbach to the mighty and dangerous Cape Buffalo. At Red Sands Safari, they not only cater for rifle shooters, but they also cater for the bow hunter. So no matter what kind of hunting you're into, they've got you covered. All you need is a spirit of adventure and good aim. Welcome to Red Sand Safaris, where professional hunter and outfitter Neil Becker will work with you on a personal level, one-on-one, to make sure that you have the exact hunt that you are looking for. If you're keen on getting this Africa dream going, contact us directly at contact.rssafaris all one word at gmail.com and remember to leave us the country that you're living in so that we can get you out the correct brochure and price list is it time to make some dreams happen i think it is i'll be out there next year will you you actually brought something up that, that i'd like to ask you a little bit more about um and that's you do mostly self-hunting yep. anyway well you do all self-hunting you do all self-hunting um, but you're mostly going yep. by yourself. Um, and you yep. talked about the personal beacon. Yep. Could you could you tell us a little bit more about personal beacons and like what they are and and how they work? Yeah, and... there's a, a lot of new ones out out on the market at the moment. I'm looking at getting the Garmin inReach GPS has got the um, and you can buy the the plan, which is um, or as per month, so you can get per month or you can just sign up to a 12 month plan it's on the I, yep. iridium satellite network so you can get um mm-hmm. you can get weather updates on it you, you can message loved ones while you're out in the bush and you can receive messages off them it tracks your coordinates as well you can set it i'm not too sure on what you know if, if it's every hour or every three hours it'll show a um you know, your last known whereabouts where you, where you were and it's also got the sos button so if you if you open it up and you like you can't just press the sos button you actually got it it takes a bit of effort to actually open the section that it's in open it up and press it so you know so you're not going to accidentally press it while it's rattling around in your pack or something like that there are there are other ones out there where I think they're like three or four hundred dollars, and then you got to register them on a on the satellite network, which I think they're an extra three hundred dollars anyway to register them. Now I used to carry a sat phone, just hire a sat phone for a week, but that was yeah that would just rattle around in my car the whole time, but it wouldn't go in my pack because it was too big and bulky. So I went and got a you know, personal beacon and. There's that many different different styles now. Just if people are looking for them, um, just go to a decent electronic shop or a radio shop or like two-way radio. Um, uh, I think BCF sell a few different ones as well here in Australia. Or you can just buy them straight off their websites, like the the Garmin. It's a game changer, definitely a game changer. All up, what is uh, something like that cost? Like the setup that you've got to to purchase it and and subscribe and whatever. What what do you reckon that costs you to get all set up? Well, the one that I'm I've currently got, it's I think I pay probably for the unit and the subscription was about five hundred. So and but the subscription is three hundred per year. So it stings you that three hundred bucks each year. 
I think, and then with the with the new Garmin inReach, there is. I think for the inReach, it's there six hundred for the unit, and then the um, subscription is twenty dollars a month. But there's but there's different different plans you can go on. You can get a premium plan or a base plan. I think the twenty dollars is the base plan where you can send like eight messages out and that sort of thing. But but you can switch that that subscription on and off, so you can just pay for when you a month when you you know for that week that you're away, and then you just switch it off, so you're not paying it yeah. for twelve the other 10 months that you're not using it yeah so it so makes a little bit more sense to buy a bit more expensive unit and then just turn it on when you want it yeah mm. and then and then with the new garmin as well like they've got they can give you updated weather reports and all that where you know as, as you know goody when you get up into that golf country and there's no phone reception there's no nothing out there and yeah 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 mate that's uh, it, it's unnerving mate there's nothing worse than um because I, I'm my sense of direction yeah. is awful. Like I struggle to figure my way yeah. out of the toilet, and so I rely heavily on GPS. Yeah. And there's nothing more disturbing when the signal doesn't kick on, right? Or or, or the batteries run out. You think, oh man. And it's the same thing with phones, right? Like yeah. we've got um, kind of two-way radios that we use and stuff in the car. But yeah. mate, it's 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 actually pretty sensible, particularly if you're going up there alone. Yeah, I can't imagine not getting something like that for that like it because it's for our, for our american listeners it yeah. it's remote unlike anything they can contemplate like picture the, yeah. maybe alaska yeah, you know like, would have that level of there, like, but it's because nothing it's, else would it's like it would know, be insane for the yeah you know, the american viewers it's just dead flat there's no mountains there's no valleys it's just dead flat there's not yeah, yeah it's, it's a the reference same points, tree yeah. the same anthill you think oh yeah like i'm going to use yeah. that anthill as a as a mark so you slip your shoes off next to that anthill and you go in and do your hunt and you turn around and you go holy hell there's you don't realize <laughs> yeah yeah a thousand other anthills that same size 10 like, anthills yeah i made that mistake once and i didn't have shoes for an entire trip yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> been there almost lost a bow doing that Long story, but yeah, same deal. Like I put it against this tree and go, you know, I can't remember what I was doing. I went to go back to the truck to get a knife or something and then yeah. came back. I was like, where's the bloody tree? Like and it was the, just. And the same as yeah. why if you. Yeah, you, no, it's, you it can be frustrating. He, so, bolts, he bolts out, out in you. Like you got to go track him. I've, I've done this too. Uh, at, it was at Christmas time. So they'd had, already had a heap of rain and I shot a pig. He bolted. So I was following the blood trail and I got a bit bit dehydrated and you know, all these things playing to effect and the bloke I was with he goes where's the car and I said mm. oh it's back that way and he goes no not that way he got his GPS out and luckily that he marked the, marked the car so that, that was a lesson <laughs> learned as well so every time you get out of the yeah. car you mark it that's it that's it I know yeah. a lot of guys that do self-hunting particularly up in the Rockies mm. they, they, they're using the um, the personal beacons as of well. course yeah oh, they would be up there yeah um, particularly if they're hunting by themselves yeah. Yeah. I know my dad always just said, "Hey, yeah. if we're gonna go hunting up in the mountains, that's fine, but we're not going alone. Yeah, no, we're not going alone. Yeah. Take somebody with you." Or... Hey, yeah. just a quick yeah. question. Uh, maybe, maybe it's I don't know if it's an Australian thing or just a pig thing. Mm-hmm. What do you guys mean by thirty points? Okay, so it's Douglas points. So it's the it's the Australian measuring system, and it's um they do the outer edge of the tusk, the length yeah. of the grind, yeah. and then the width of the base. Is that right? Did I get that right? I, I never remember all the different dynamics. And you take yeah, it's a it's the it's the outside length. Yep. It's the length of the grind. Yep. 
the the width of the base at the base of the grind and the width at the base of the hook that's it yeah so add them all up and then you and then and then whatever's the smallest of the two yeah you times it by two so it's a bit of a formula it's kind of like um sci points sort of right Um, i don't know what that is either the safari club international points and yeah so it's a trophy thing and um but they do it i think the douglas point system is for all australian so they've got it for i think even like got it for deer yeah i know that right and they've got our our mutual friend max bray is actually um a measure yeah he's a a, aba measure yeah he's a measure yeah yeah so but they've got it's even things like they've got like for donkey's head got it for all shootable game in australia i used to be the field rep for aba here in north queensland so i i had a i had a lot of experience with it okay i was part of the The final measuring team that uh, measured up the latest ABA Australian record holder. So, and that was that was an amazing, amazing head. It was shot by oh, Charles wow. Towers. It looked like something that had farmed, but it, it was a bush head. Yeah, it was incredible. Well, I um, I got I was with Mick when I got my uh, rooster deer. Actually, oh, yeah? and it was two hundred. Oh, pointer. nice. And, and it wasn't. Bad. And the funny thing was, I mean, I don't really care. To me, it was an amazing yeah. stock, right? Like I, I really couldn't care. It was surprising how big it was. It was really meaty and stuff and it was a great experience to, to do it and Mick uh, measured it up and and it was a bit over it but then it dried yeah, down over shrunk, it I think yeah, you have to wait yeah, a couple months that, and, it shrunk, and it still it shrunk to 200 yeah. so it was actually pretty or 210 I can't remember I have to check it but it was pretty cool really good um, really amazing kind of hunt and, and again Mick was kind of essential to that so we'll have him on and look forward to uh, having a chat with him but uh mm. So hey hey Mitch, thanks for uh, joining us on the show today. Really appreciate you, you taking Thank the time you. to, to on. come on. And, yeah. Great to hear from you, mate. And uh, have a chat with us. Yeah. Well, it's, oh, right. it's exciting to get our first Australian. Yeah, this is it, mate. We've, we've cracked, that, <laughs> cracked that glass, as it were, mate. That's it. You are actually. We've we've got probably eight of yeah. them slated. Yeah. It's just it's just hasn't yeah. fallen yeah. into time. Yeah. To, so we're going to try to get Mick on. Mick's kind of around because this hunting season's over now. That'll be a good um, listen. That one. He's a he's a wealth of knowledge, Mick, and, and he's shy yeah. and very introverted. Like, Isn't yeah. very forward about expressing. And I'm sure. His. I'm sure. Just like this one, that will be a two part as well. <laughs> <laughs> Since we've been going for like an hour and a half. That's it. I, I went around to Mick's place one day. Invited me around there, and he just opened his shed door up, and it was just from wall to wall. There was just antlers. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Red deer, fallow deer, rooster. rooster. Like, he had everything. It was just like yeah. wow. And then he's showing me yeah pig hooks from back in like the you know, late eighties and things like that. And he goes, mm-hmm. oh, yes, every pig you've seen had a thirty pointer set of hooks on it. It's incredible. Like, you, you, you're struggling to find a pig with a yeah you know, set of twenty five pointers up there now. I have to like, check it, but it was pretty cool. Really good, um, really amazing kind of hunt. And, and again, Mick was kind of. Essential that. So we'll have him on and look forward to uh, having a chat with him.